now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 123 of Cool Down Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down, crack jokes, and talk about video games. I'm still your graphically outdated host, Marco, and joining me is still the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Uh, Pablo, how's your week been going, man? What's going on? Yeah, man, my week's been pretty good. Uh, honestly, uh, it's been just me doing the things that adults do and then secretly secretly behind my mind just waiting on starfield to, to release yeah uh, that's kind of what i've been doing so basically you could sum up my entire life it's just me waiting for a video game to release so 37 baby <laughs> 37 years old and this is what we look forward to but yes <laughs> i've been doing the same thing man uh starfield is just it man it's just kind of taking over my thoughts man you did the, the mental countdown thing that yeah, i'm yeah. doing right now pretty pretty obsessed about that um mm-hmm. i will say though i'm getting tired of of everybody that is playing the game tweeting vaguely about how they're playing the game yeah. that's that's getting really old for me right now so um a little sick of that a little sick of that ladies and gentlemen yeah. but i, I nevertheless. agree with you but there is a game that released that we'll talk about that is keeping me a little bit like in check you know alleviating mm. the weight we'll talk about that later well keeping you in check is is one way of putting it uh you being out of control thanks to fomo is how i would phrase it but you know uh, you I, let me tell y'all something i know me some pablo mm. man i know the shit out of some pablo i knew soon as he tried the game flat thing he was gonna fold like an old lawn chair man he texted me for it's been four days it's been okay. four days where's my game four days y'all four days that's it it's not See, four days anymore now it's seven and i still don't got it by the way well that's probably because your neighbor stole it or something like that i don't know what to tell you you just had to customer support um so i don't know what to say about that but nevertheless uh pablo pablo did uh did go ahead and 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 trade his spine in at gamestop <laughs> for uh, for some piddly trading credit to get a game we'll be talking about soon but speaking of what we have on the docket uh this week pablo why don't you go ahead and run the listeners through uh, what's in store for this week? In this episode, we're going to take a huge, massive shit on Konami for screwing Metal Gear Solid fans, per usual. Mm. Plus, Bioware is in big trouble, and we're going to des- uh, decide who we're going to blame here. Also, Baldur's Gate 3 is coming to Xbox, finally, mm. with a caveat, and we're going to discuss that. Um, and is Xbox smart or stupid for skipping a mid-gen refresh? 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 Okay, there uh, we'll, it is. We'll, There's the fumble, ladies and gentlemen. We got it. <laughs> we, I just, I probably, uh, I'm gearing up mentally for my son when he starts talking like uh, he has a weird Boston accent for no reason. Um, we'll tell you what we think about that. Uh, and then finally, uh, we're amongst and amidst Gamescom right now. And we got a roundup to discuss the biggest highlights from the event. All that and much, much more coming right to your ear holes. Beautiful. Okay delicious ear holes all right let's yeah. see you got you, you got nasty you got nasty that's what happens when he drinks on the job ladies and gentlemen I he's got deli- a delicious don't doesn't always mean disgusting 
it just yeah, but you looked instant. at me on the camera when you said it, and you yeah, knew that you were on the bullshit, and I don't like that <laughs> eye contact. That was terrible. Uh, but before we get into the show, uh, just quick housekeeping for next week, ladies and gentlemen. We are indeed on the cusp of Starfield launching, and we have a very extra special episode lined up next week to talk about all the ins and outs of Starfield. That's right. We're not just going to do what most podcasts are going to do, which is a little piddly 10-minute uh, I like it. It's dope. It's it's great. It's game of the year. Moving on kind of a thing. We're going to do a full blown breakdown, um, emotional breakdown, number one, because it's finally going to be out and we're going to be crying tears of joy. Oh, yeah. And then also uh, a, a massive breakdown about all aspects of the game, what we think about it and uh, just, you know, how the game is coming uh, coming off in front of the community and what the reviewers are saying mm-hmm. and what it means for Xbox. So we're genuinely going to be covering all the bases of what Starfield is and what it's going to be doing out here in the industry uh, when it launches. So stay Super tuned excited. for that. Yeah, and uh, make sure you subscribe to our show if you like us so that you can catch that episode next week when it drops. But we do have an episode to handle this week, so let's get started on that one uh, by doing what we always do, the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us, which is Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo, so... Uh, yeah, you weren't a very patient man uh, in your waiting game for some some rentals to come your way. So you ended up you ended up buying a game that uh, I think a lot of people are going to be very intrigued to hear about, especially coming from you as someone who is a, a beginner uh, in this particular series. Like I, I think a lot of people are, to be honest. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that game and, and tell us what you think about it from that beginner's perspective? Yeah, that that game Marco is alluding to is. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, top five name of all time for a video game for no reason at all. Um, listen, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've n- I've never actually played an Armored Core game. Uh, I'm right. not a mech assault kind of guy. I think either those games just don't do it for me or they're like f- way too complicated. Like you, ha- they, you have their own controller and it's the size of a desk and it has all these buttons. You know, that's a little too much uh, for me. But you know, uh, this game seems to be like a soft reboot of the franchise in that it looks like it's, and it is for the most part, it's it's introducing new players to Armored Core in a way that the previous games did not. Um, for me, it was hard to gauge interest in this game, obviously from software, the creators of Dark Souls and, and Elden Ring. You know, you got my interest there already, but it, it was hard for me to gauge whether or not I was going to even enjoy playing this game. Uh, so the previews didn't do it for me too much. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it was a game I was going to play, but just wasn't excited. But I, 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 I can say, I can tell you right now, Marco, that I, I guess I was wrong in thinking that this was the game that wasn't going to appeal to me because it is definitely a game that has got me by the loins. Uh, mm. And I'm loving uh, every Nasty. bit of it so far. <laughs> what you say? Got you by the armored core, if you know what I mean. Hey, you know what what's up? Welcome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I want to say like, um, I think I'll start kind of going little by little in terms of like what exactly about the game works for me and what doesn't. Very little doesn't work. But really, um, I think one of the things in the previews, the visual aspect of it, it just didn't look that interesting to me. Uh, and I, th- I have to say, this is one of those games that you have to play in order to understand kind of like the, the beauty of what the game is doing visually uh, in motion. This game is phenomenal. Just, just the, the, it, just the, uh, the level design, all that stuff is incredible. Obviously, if you kind of stop and look around, 
it's not as impressive as you may think it is, but in motion, this game is absolutely just incredible. Uh, and I want to get this out of the way. This isn't technically Dark Souls, um, a Dark Souls mech game. There are there are difficulty spikes throughout. The bosses specifically tend to get very very difficult. Uh, chapter one end boss is incredibly hard, and there are certain uh, missions that do have a difficulty spike. But I will say that this game really does cater to to the mech aspect of it. In that, if you die, you can go right in the menu before you hit restart from checkpoint and change out your loadouts to. to better suit you and what that level needs and what that what that boss may be weak to so it, it there is the difficult the difficulty to it I, i'm very curious as to where you're gonna land because i know you're not a dark souls guy you, you really were all about elden ring uh as so many people were i think that there the the boss difficulty does elude or does kind of give that uh, show off that dna that from software made this game but everything else about the game the moment to moment gameplay is fairly easy with some difficulty spikes here and there um i will say it does get kind of getting used to in terms of like controlling it you're controlling this massive tech uh, uh mech and it's like very heavy even though there's an agile version there's a tank version it, it's not very you're not you're not you're not uh playing a, a human being so the the range of motion is limited and that takes some time because you kind of want to get in there and start roll <laughs> roll diving out of the way there is there is a a a, a mechanic that you can kind of do something like that but I, the combat is the same thing uh you have to find what works for you and this is this is what the game does best it it definitely is a game that has you have to play with the 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 mech, the mech you have to play with how exactly the you you uh make that mech and how what weapons you put on it the movement from the legs up you really have to kind of know what your game style and your gameplay is to really make that work for you because if you go in there with a bad build you're gonna get fucked up you're just gonna get wrecked uh but once you understand that you can really do some really dope shit with these mechs uh from rocket launchers big ass blades that you can slice through shit and it does a good job of making you feel like a badass um yeah but um the level design like i mentioned is phenomenal all that stuff is great uh i will say the one thing that really is in, like my favorite thing it's the mission structure it's you pick it from a menu and some of those mission structure missions are like five minutes to 15 minutes really short uh missions there uh that once you start getting into like the the groove of things it kind of feels like it ends really quickly uh and then obviously if we talk about the the from software dna um that also carries over to the story a bunch of nonsense poppycock craziness military jargon being spewed at you through codex over and over it doesn't mean anything to me it there's not interesting in any way shape or form luckily the gameplay is so fun that that's not really going to be an issue it hasn't been an issue for me but i can see going 15 20 hours in how the fact that what i'm doing it, it pertains to a specific story that i don't even understand what's happening honestly or care to really uh care to really find out what exactly the parameters of the story are specifically uh marco do you have any questions in terms of like the game itself well you just you just kind of answered the one that i was going to ask about which was the storytelling uh because everything that i've seen of the game's narrative through like reviews and people talking about it is that it was all very um it, it it's yeah, I mean, it is, it is that that from software storytelling style where it's just it's kind of there, but but barely. But it was also the delivery of the story being particularly from like these 
there's no like human interaction. There's no, no like right. you know like like story cinematics. It's all basically brought to you in like this PowerPoint presentation style almost, which is kind of it even adds to the the sterileness of, yeah. of the storytelling. I would imagine, right? Yeah, it's all codec calls. It's, think about Metal Metal Gear Solid <laughs> and, and and take away the faces, and that's all you have. Um, th- there is a story though, and it's very in the forefront. Every time you go into a mission, there's a long uh diatribe of what you're about to do once you come there's a debriefing and that's all there's also this just happened and this means this it just it's uninteresting because of you 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 nailed it because of the presentation is so sterile and so uninteresting um i'm i'm a few hours in i can't tell whether or not that's going to be an issue for me because gameplay is gameplay and this game is fun as hell uh, but I will say that the, the story is, is a lot of nonsense and they could have done a way better job, uh, with that for sure. All right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see, um, what you think about it as you put more time into it before Starfield comes out. And I'll, I think I'll, I'll get it in time to put some hours in as well. Um, but it, that is kind of the crux of the issue with this game for me is that, um, now more than ever, I'm, I'm so much a story driven gamer um even more than i used to be um that it's it gets harder and harder to digest games like this because the the action might be great and you know the mechanics and the customization might be awesome but if there's not any narrative glue to really drive me forward it's going to be really hard especially with alan wake starfield yeah. Baldur's gate 3 and these these really narrative heavy games to keep me like for a game like this to keep me compelled. Um, it, it's not even so much that it's a mech game. I don't mind that yeah. as much as I used to. It's just narrative has to be a, a it has to be a factor. And I just feel like from software keeps dropping the ball there. Yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's definitely weird that they're not really interested in making that aspect of their repertoire any better. Uh, though I, I will say that what keeps me engaged to this game. Is is the moments there? There are a lot of missions that are about the same. Like, hey, destroy this, uh, this helicopter or this group of 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 of, of mechs or whatever, and that can get a little stale. But then they hit you with like a shadow of Colossus moment. Uh, that I won't spoil here. That you're like, holy shit! Like, I want more of this. And they do a lot of that stuff uh, throughout, whether it be boss battles and how th- those come about, or or even their uh how they're how they look and how they act, and in terms of like your gameplay and and how how powerful you feel or how weak you may feel depending on on your on your on your mech build all that stuff keeps me really interested i spent an ungodly amount of hours painting my mech bit by bit piece by piece the customization here is so in-depth and so uh you can make them look you can make them look any way you want uh and i love that about it and i I love the fact that you don't have to just pick a heavy mech or a light mech right you can mix and match any aspect of your mech to, to to come like i am playing a somewhere in between where i am not completely incredibly agile nor am i a tank but i do pack a punch and i can be agile at the same time so there's a lot of that going on and that for right now that's keeping me really really engaged nice all right well uh let us know what you're thinking about it as you uh put more time into it when we record next time uh, and i will as well when i get my hands on the game but we do need to move on uh because we of course need to talk about episode three which dropped for the expanse a telltale series um, Pablo, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and kick off uh, my yeah, thoughts first. If that's cool with you. Um, 
I got to be honest, we're three episodes in, you know, um, we're at the halfway point here, and I'm finding myself quite disappointed with the game right now. Um, And I think it's because the story and the gameplay for me have both fallen fairly flat. And um, when it comes to the story, I just feel like now that we're three episodes in, I just think that things aren't really going anywhere. Um, there's very minimal interaction with your crew, which for three episodes in just feels weird at this point. I barely know any of these people and the game literally only gives you like in three episodes, maybe two or three minutes of time to actually talk to them and get to know them. Um, and I think that's partially because the story is prioritizing one of the side characters a lot with a romantic element that doesn't really feel earned or interesting to me, at least. Um, and a bunch of filler dialogue between those two characters that just doesn't really move the needle or accomplish anything. And, um, and, and speaking of moving the needle, I think meaningful player choices are starting to become an issue for me. It does feel like they're becoming fewer and further between. And it's pretty easy, at least from my perspective, to telegraph which choices would be smart or reckless uh, to avoid any like wrong turns. Not to mention that I think, you know, what these episodes have started to do towards the end is they all have these like twists at the end that kind of start feeling a little tacked on for me at this point. Um, And they feel a little limp and uninspired because of the things that I mentioned before about just not knowing enough about these characters, caring enough about these characters to really feel any kind of impact when things happen to them. And then on the gameplay side, Pablo, um, and you've mentioned this, and I'm sure you'll reiterate it after I'm done, but I think the exploring and the scavenging derelict ships thing is getting pretty old right now. Uh, and you do it again in episode three. Um, again, it's, it's a pretty interesting location, um, but you're just kind of like, again, th- that, that feeling kind of prevails Marco, once again for me. She and- legitimately says the notion of exploring the ship doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> yeah, so it, that means it'll definitely appeal to yeah, players. Yeah, he literally um, says that in, so, in the game. And I'm like, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, I would also say that the, the, the opening part of the chapter has like a light puzzle solving element. Oh yeah, which I I found laughably pointless as well. It just it felt like padding at that also point. And then on. the QTEs, the QTEs too. Uh, I think you know there was I think there was one in the entire chapter. Um, it, they're just not doing enough to jazz things up in any meaningful way either. So I think in closing, I don't really think that I've gotten my money's worth out of this game so far. Um, I've gotten about a little over three hours of gameplay between these three chapters at best, which is fine if you're packing that time with compelling writing and gameplay. But I think at this point, I feel like I've spent three hours doing a bunch of nothing um, and I won't bounce off the game because I'm still a fan of the expanse and I, and, and the runtime isn't a hard ask or anything like that. But I, I don't think I can sit here and say this has been the telltale experience I was hoping for. Um, so that's kind of my, my thoughts about it. Are you on the same page right now? Absolutely. Uh, guys, I want to, I want to, okay. I want to tell you guys something. If your game or your chapter, whatever you want to call it, your episode of this, uh, of your game is enough for me, Pablo, to beat it in one sitting. It's too damn short. It's too damn short. Uh, look, <laughs> the game is running in place. I don't feel like anything has really happened. Uh, there is, like Marco said, I'm just waiting for the big moment at the end when I know I'm at the end of, of that chapter. Um, I think something for me uh, happened at the end of the chapter that 
was pretty um it was a big thing that happened but i think that the build-up uh just didn't really it didn't evoke the emotion that the game thought it was going to evoke uh just because it wasn't very well uh plotted out um Ultimately, for me, I think that we are we got really excited at Telltale's back, and quality-wise, visually, I think that this is an upgrade for them. However, it is a downgrade in terms of their storytelling. I could remember uh, The Walking Dead and how each of those chapters were very meaningful from th- from the Absolutely. things that happened there, the motel, and then getting to Savannah and things that happened with Kenny, all that stuff, very more yep. uh, memorable. And it, there were just excellent, excellently written. And I feel like a lot of this is, isn't, I, 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 it just feels so bare bones. It almost feels, and I'll tell you like the first three chapters were one chapter. It should have been one chapter. Yeah. I was going to say they all blur together in a way that feels like a blob yeah. of, of, a, of a thing right now. And yeah. it, it, it's disappointing because, you know, we got the Wolf Among Us two coming next year uh, and we got more telltale. And if this is where they're at, then there's something missing in terms of personnel yeah. or maybe they didn't have enough time, whatever the case is um, there four chapters, chapters four five. And I think there's an extra one, right? Six. Uh, uh, yeah. Five and a five bonus. And a bonus. Yeah. I, I, they had to do a lot of heavy lifting for this game Absolutely. to rise to the level of the wolf among us uh, and the first two chapters of, you know, the first two games of the, uh, not the last of us of um, the walking <laughs> dead uh, because even, yeah. Because this kind of reminds me a lot of the Game of Thrones episode that they did, a uh, game they did. I, I played yeah, that, where yeah. It feels a lot yep. like this. We're running in place. Not a lot has ha- happened in that game towards mm-hmm. the end, and they and they backloaded a lot of stuff. And it just was an empty experience. And I feel like the experience is in that camp more than the other ones for sure. And it's disappointing because, I, I, like you, Marco, I am a, a fan of the expanse. I love Drummer. I think she's an excellent character. Unfortunately, they are wasting her a little bit here. Uh, but we'll see. I, like Marco, I am not going to bounce off. This is an easy ask in terms of the per episode in terms of time. And I am interested to see where it goes because this does lead into the uh, show itself. This is a prequel to that, and I want to see how they tie that in. I'm super excited for that. But other than that, yeah. I'm I'm so disappointed, man. Because the first ep- first chapter, the first episode was awesome. The second, less so, yeah. and it's just diminishing returns at this point. And I I don't like where mm-hmm. it's going. Yeah, but we will, uh, like Pablo said, we will we will finish it. We'll get to the finish line, and when we do, uh, we will fill all of you in on on kind of our our closing thoughts as we go. But yeah, this has kind of been the uh, the turning point for me and Pablo. It's been kind of a bummer. Uh, as to Telltale fans and to Expanse fans, but uh, we'll stick with it. We'll see what happens, but um, we're going to go ahead and move on. But before we do, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you're hearing so far, we'd like to ask you for your support as an unbiased, ad-free, paywall-free podcast. We're all about giving you fun content like this to get you through your day without asking you for money or boring you with sponsorships and stuff like that. So if you like what we stand for, uh, the best way to back us is to subscribe to our show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you stream us. And if you're there, maybe leave a nice review for us and let people know what we're and all soon, about. And Blue Sky. Um, uh, Blue Sky's coming. That's right. Uh, and speaking of which, if you're feeling extra cool, you can also follow us on our social medias, uh, on X, on Instagram, and soon to be Blue Sky, uh, and what's left of Threads. 
at its cooldown time. Uh, if you want to hit us up with your questions, comments, or support for our show. Uh, but yeah, Pop, let's go ahead and move on. We have a pretty uh, hefty news segment here, so let's go ahead and get started on that. And that is, of course, called Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, Pablo, so we have five uh, hit points to discuss this week. Um, a couple of these are interconnected, so this should be an interesting little dialogue we'll have here. And let's start with some Xbox news. Um, starting with our first story here, Pablo, in a recent interview, the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, has confirmed that Microsoft still has no plans for a mid-gen refresh for Xbox Series X and S, stating, quote, I think we need to let devs settle on this hardware and get the most out of it, end quote. But of course, with Sony rumored to be working on a PS5 Pro, Pablo, how do we feel about Xbox potentially having weaker hardware compared to PlayStation during this console generation? Do we think that could hinder Xbox? Or is this a smart decision to double down on current hardware to avoid dividing the Xbox user base and ecosystem any further? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that this is the way to go. Uh, at this point, Sony doing a mid uh, console refresh just seems like they're trying to they're money grubbing basically they're trying to get you to spend more money on their hardware they're kind of uh leveraging their popularity into that and i feel like xbox obviously they're not really focused on hardware so this makes a lot of sense but you there's we're still unable to see games running at 64k which was the promise i mean uh immortals of avium i think was 720p 60 frames in in certain aspects uh, through ps5 and xbox series x according to digital foundry like that that's on that's uncalled for it the, the base they haven't figured out the console yet and i i think it's ridiculous with uh with two years three years of a pandemic under the the belt of this uh specific uh uh, console generation to then just trot out a six hundred, seven hundred dollar version of something <laughs> and make another promise. No, 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 no. We promise this one is going to be the one. They haven't figured out the PS Five, but now, now they're gonna you're gonna have dev split now making the the PS Five Pro. And the funny thing is, is a lot of a lot of the pundits, Sony pundits, are like, yeah, the Series S is holding back the the X. What the fuck you think is going to happen when you have a Pro when uh, the PS Five? It'll be the same thing. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to to kind of start start to, to to stretch out your audience in that way uh with more promises and i think xbox here is is making the the right choice i think it's the easy choice i don't even know if playstation will announce a pro i think a lot of that is conjecture uh, it's a lot of rumor right now i don't think that's gonna ha- i don't know if it'll happen anytime soon but in terms of having phil be honest and say no we're not working on that right now i think it's fine i, I really do think that it's okay i do think that this is going to be a short console cycle anyway uh, at least shorter than the last previous ones. And so I, I think that's kind of what they're hinting at as well. So, yeah, I, I think they're smart for doing this. I think that it kind of plays into their consumer-friendly vibe that they have going on, even though it probably behooves them not to release a, a mid-gen upgrade because of costs. So, But it, it kind of plays into that. I, I like it. I think it, it's the right move. And I know that my Series my series X is going gonna, gonna to last me a while. I don't have to have the fear of, of missing out. No FOMO because the pros coming out and whatever that entails. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that part, especially. Um, I I kind of let out a sigh of relief when he said this because there's nothing that annoys me more than feeling like I don't have, you know, 
the best skew available. Like there's there's no world that could have existed, Pablo, where I ever would have started with an Xbox Series S first. I'm just not right. that gamer. It's just too much of a passion of mine to settle for something like that. And I and I'm not and, and granted I'm not their audience. That's more of a, a entry point kind of console. So to know that I don't have to worry about that a second time for this generation is hugely relieving to me. Um, so I, I do agree with you there. I think what's interesting, especially about all of this, and I would say this more from an Xbox standpoint, and let's be real, they've had a rough generation so far. Um, they are being outsold roughly two to one with PlayStation. The last thing you want to do in a position like that is you're trying to sell consoles, but then you want to tell people, well, pretty soon this won't be the best version right. of Xbox. So now you're just going to make people wait. People are just going to want to wait anyway. Like, why would I get an Xbox Series X now if you're hinting that you're going to be doing a pro version of this down the road or something anyway? So I think it's a smart decision for them in terms of giving people who are on the fence about Xbox some security that, hey, would, if you buy a Series X, you're set. And we don't mean that just facetiously or vapidly. Like you really are good to go from here until the rest of this console generation. And we're not going to pull the rug out from under you. And then, you know, a year or two down the line after you buy one, ooh, well, I guess should have waited. Sorry. Here's the next one. Like I think that is really important for them being outsold the way they are and trying to climb back um, the way they have. Um, On the PlayStation side of things, and and, and I'll lean into this more. Uh, with our fifth news segment item. PlayStation is is really starting to head in a direction where they want to sell as many accessories as they can and as many devices as they can. And so I think the PS5 Pro is happening because it just feels like Sony is no longer content with, okay, you bought a PS5 for 500 bucks and that's the last of the money we're going to see from you. I, I think they don't like that. And so I think they want to kind of flood the market with as many peripherals and things. And well, now there's this version of this and this version of this, uh, all to try to get PlayStation diehards to keep spending more and more and more money. Well, you got that headset. Here's the pro version of that headset. You know, here's the pro version of our controller. Here's the handheld version of our (laughs) controller, you know? So, um, I, I think that's their game right now is let's just keep flooding and flooding and flooding the market with more devices, more accessories, more this, more that. And that's going to be hard to keep up with unless you got the pocket change for that kind of thing. So I, I think that this is a move to me more than anything that speaks to Xbox really trying to lean into the value proposition of getting an Xbox. You buy it once, you're done. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have any FOMO stuff to deal with either. You can get the Elite if you want the Elite controller. You don't have to, but we're never going to make it feel like the quintessential Xbox experience is to have the the newest console and 27 accessories that are all branded Xbox. That's not their game. Um, So I I like this from that perspective, uh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Speaking of Xbox, uh, another news item that should please many Xbox fans, I hope. Uh, After having ongoing discussions with Phil Spencer, Larian Studios has officially announced an agreement with Microsoft to bring Baldur's Gate 3 to Xbox Series X and S this year. Now, the main caveat, however is that the Series S version will not include split screen, uh, split screen co-ops. I don't know what split <laughs> spring is. That sounds like a build-your-own-website name. 
join split screen for uh anyway um now this omission of split screen uh, split, damn, did it again. Sure damn. okay I, how about co-op we'll just say co-op how about that because i can't i can't english today pablo's doing that to me with you know the way he, yeah, yeah, he talks fault, about fault. words and stuff yeah that's cool uh now how do we feel about this though pablo uh is this omission does it feel right to us and would you say that this is the end of the parody clause for uh, the Series X and the Series S as we know This it. should happen from the start. The thing is, nobody really knew, and whoever tells you they did, they're lying. Nobody really knew that the Baldur's Gate 3 was going to be the hit that it is in terms of, of critically uh, critical reception and just a sheer amount of people playing it. Um, this is the right move. Now, is it the end of the parody clause? I don't think so. I think that this is Xbox telling us that they are willing to make exceptions to the games that matter. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that's dope. I don't think that the first party games will, uh, will do this. I think first party games through Xbox will have parity between look at uh Forza motorsport coming out later this year. Uh, they're omitting split screen, a uh, local split screen for now, because most likely because the series S can't do it. So I don't think that the first party stuff is, is ever going to get out of that parody clause, but the third party games, there's no, there is no world where Xbox is going to miss out on Baldur's Gate three or any other, let's say a new Tomb Raider game or, or a new, uh, a, any major third party game that comes out. They're not going to miss on that because S can't do something, uh, can't do something or, or another. It's, it, it there, what I like about this and, and the thing that gets me excited is the flexibility within that parity clause. And I know a lot of people are like, well, they promised they sure did, but get over it because again, you're not going to have people who own the series X miss out on the next big third party game because the series S can't do something like split co-op or something. You know, there already is uh, differences between visual fidelity and, and, and frame rates between the X and the S that already exists. Now, when we start going into the features and, and things about the game, that may be something that could be looked at as a slippery slope, but understand at least I'm understanding. And maybe because I'm a series X owner and you know, I, I'm, I'm not, too concerned about what the S can and can't do. It would just be a travesty to miss out on anything else because of what the S can't do. And I think that this is the right decision. I don't think it was made blase. I think they put a lot of thought into it. And I think ultimately they came across saying, we can't wait for our engineers and your engineers to figure it out. We need Baldur's Gate 3 on Xbox this year. And I'm glad it's happening. Quick side note. I what I hope is that I hope that they give uh they give Starfield their time, but I kind of want Baldur's Gate 3 to come out like in October to kind of hit that next big game. That's selfishly for me, so I can play something, but I know October's packed out. Uh but yeah, man, this is a great choice, great decision by Phil and Xbox and Larry and to 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 do this. Um I'm glad. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah, if for those of you that, that checked out our, our episode uh, where we talked about the Series S um, and the Larian situation with Baldur's Gate 3. I, uh, a lot of people remember that I, I went pretty hard at the people who were angry at Larian Studios about all this because I never think that it's okay to be mad at a studio for wanting to produce a feature-complete experience across all consoles or PC. I think that is absolutely absurd. So... To me, this decision or agreement rather between Xbox and Larian is 
kind of the proof of that because this is this was more of an Xbox problem. It, it's you know, listen, Larian can do is doing their best to make things happen on the Series S, and it's just becoming yep. problematic. You know, they, their their ambition is at least for right now larger than what the Series S can currently handle. So this was up to Xbox. This was Xbox's move, not necessarily Larian's right. move. Um, to you know, bend that parity clause and say, okay, to your point, we cannot let PlayStation end up with an exclusive on its lap that we just kind of gift right. wrap to them, um, and they didn't have to pay a penny for that, you know. And they they get all the you know all the press and all the hoopla from the console gamer standpoint. Um, you can't let that happen. And so yeah, this was uh, this was always to me about Xbox needing to bend and and break a little bit with this parity clause and start really understanding that this is going to be, you know, more prevalent yeah. in the future. I really do. I think it is. And, you know, like I said last time, the, the days of everything being cross-gen are coming to a close. We're really going to start seeing what next-gen gaming is, I think, from September and on. I really believe that, and that's gonna sh- that's gonna really show a lot of what the Series S can and cannot right. truly do. Um, so I think you have to get ahead of that now, so that you don't end up passing up on, you know, one of the greatest games of all time really? at this yeah. point, uh, and then and then really lose your way um, in a way that doesn't cost PlayStation anything to have an advantage over you. So uh, I'm happy about this. I really am. You got something else you want to add? No, I mean, no, 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 no. I, I agree with everything you said. I. I, I Already, Xbox is taking a little L by not having this game come alongside yeah. the PlayStation 5. But the, if you want to look at it from the, the glass half full side of things, at the very least, hopefully, when Xbox finally does get it, they'll get a game that has been updated, a game that has the third act kind of fixed in terms of some of the issues that it was having um, yeah. technically. So that's a good thing uh, for sure, at least if you want to look at it from the positive. But I, but really, the takeaway here is the fact that for the future, because you, know you know how you know how crazy that would be if the next Tomb Raider game wasn't on Xbox because the S couldn't handle that. That would be devastating. That's, that, that's something you see happen with Nintendo platforms. You sure. shouldn't be seeing that with Xbox, though. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I like this from a standpoint also where this sets a new expectation for the Xbox Series S user base to to understand that. Your experience is going to be a little different. You know, you're getting what you paid for. You know, you got your entryway console. It's going to have, you're going to be able to play virtually everything, but there are going to be concessions either with visuals, performance, or sometimes even features that you're not going to get. I, I think that a lot of the internet uh, is blowing this out of proportion because a lot of the people who bought a Series S, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say it because economical issues do tr- you come into play, but the majority yeah. of people who buy the S are not exactly the hardcore, are not exactly the Baldur's Gate crowd, right? No. Um, for the most part. So I think a lot of this is kind of being blown out of proportion in terms of like they promised, you know, narratives being driven by the other side that want to kind of uh, put a wedge between the Xbox and the PlayStation. But uh, ultimately, uh, your, your flagship, it's the X as as the X. And I think that's the main focus. That should be your main focus going forward. Yeah. Nothing you do should compromise the series X's trajectory. Absolutely Um, not. You know, so uh, this is the right move. And, you know, I think for people like you and me, this is a, a, a sigh of relief times two, because now we can comfortably get through Starfield 
right? Yep. And then when we're done with that, here comes the X version of uh, Baldur's Gate 3. I think it's going to be more of a November uh, release, maybe early December, uh, you know, at the latest. But that'll give plenty of people enough time to get through Starfield, hopefully get through enough of the October batch of games. And then rounding out the year for Xbox fans, you got Baldur's Gate 3 that you can just kind of know life from there until the end of the year. And this is like kind of like a blessing in disguise for Larian. That's what I mean. Yeah, they they got the PC uh, hype. Now they're going to get the PlayStation 5 hype and then they're going to get another wave of shit when it comes to the Xbox. So uh, that's that should be exciting for them. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, and I'm getting the Xbox version. Full disclosure, um, I th- I think for that, I, for the very yeah. reason that I described. I just I don't want to juggle Baldur's Gate three and Starfield. That's the just only, not realistic. The only way I get it on PlayStation five if it's like a December release and November comes around and I have the time. That's the only reason I wouldn't get it. But I don't think it'll be December. I, I think I think you're on the money with November. Selfishly, I would like October, but I think November is probably the most. Uh, realistic now, time just because of the fact that there's not that many games coming out in november oh you're gonna get it on xbox because we're gonna do co-op uh so is it cross warned. play uh i don't know about cross i think cross save i don't know about cross play interesting yeah I so said. yeah so you're getting it on xbox right. uh, sorry to break it to you um all right now let's move away from xbox let's get into some other headlines pablo and this one uh not the best not the best news here BioWare has eliminated 50 roles as part of a new long-term vision that general manager George McKay claims will make them a, quote, more agile and more focused studio, end quote. He stated, quote, this vision balances the current needs of the studio, namely ensuring Dragon Age Dreadwolf is an outstanding game with its future, including the success of the next Mass Effect. And speaking of Mass Effect, his post confirmed the next game is still only in pre-production. And as for Dragon Age Dreadwolf, VGC has recently reported that the game keeps getting delayed internally and may not launch until summer of 2024 at the earliest. So, Pablo, what went wrong here? How much of the blame goes to Bioware? And how much of the blame goes to EA? And how do we feel about Bioware's future after all this? Well, first of all, do, do you see how... how- the bullshit like already like so you're getting rid of 50 positions to make your games better so less people to make the game better and the way that happens is everything gets delayed like it's just it just doesn't make any sense i uh jeff grubbs uh said that uh heath believes that the game won't be coming out to early 2025 uh, Dragon Age uh, Dreadwolf. That, that's what he said. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that they're not talking about, and again, this is just them not being honest and giving you a whole bunch of shit jargon and, and really catering to the to the audience in that, oh yeah, you guys like Dreadwolf? You're excited? You want it to be good? This had to be done in order for that to happen. But one of the things that um, they haven't said is that for many, many, many years, uh, Apex Legends has been paying the bills. And recently... Uh, they've come out and said that Apex Legends, they overestimated what that game was going to make. And based on that budget they made based on what they thought was going to make, that's no longer viable. And thus they have to make some changes in order to restructure that because it was paying for all the things. Um, and another thing also is that there was a contractors that they were using that unionized and that EA 
uh, part of these 50 uh, people that they fired were some of those contractors that were part of a unionized uh, company. So that's a bad look to begin with. Um, and I just think, honestly, this is EA's fault and Bioware's fault, hand in hand. They're owned by the same company. I, I think Bioware has not been the same for a very long time, but EA definitely influenced this obviously uh so you think this is like a 50 50 kind of split yeah, no, of blame no i i i don't think bioware has autonomy is my thing i don't think that they are an autonomy uh, autonomy based uh decision making group i think that ea has full control of bioware and okay. i think that whatever ea does however ea goes so does uh bioware at this point they've lost that magic and it's obvious because i think a corporation is running it rather than like respawn you know like vincent pella running that and 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 you can feel you see that in, in many ways i don't see that in bioware I haven't seen that for a very long time uh i i i don't feel good about bioware's future uh i don't feel good about the future of uh mass effect to be either pre-production they announced that game a long time ago and it's still in pre-production i this is very concerning for me in every way shape and form uh just because of the fact that i'm sure dread wolf will come out and i'm sure it'll be fine i don't know if it's going to be great uh i just don't believe in bioware anymore and i think that this is kind of just showing us that they are in a disarray and that ea is not shy about uh firing people restructuring even the beloved bioware company that we all had so much respect for for so many years yeah um man this is uh this is so unfortunate on so many different levels um you know obviously people losing their jobs um the bioware equity uh is seemingly you know damn near down the drain at this point and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around, but you know what? I'm going to be very honest. I'm giving, I, listen, I'm being generous by saying I'm giving like 90% of the blame to EA. Yeah. I think that once once EA acquired Bioware, things were never the same. They just never yep. were the same. And EA, God, man, they suck at everything. <laughs> EA sucks at literally everything. I mean, you you take a look at everything they do, with the exception of um, Respawn yeah. and what Respawn is doing. They are floundering. Their sports franchises are all over the place. Right now, Madden's out. Um, and by all accounts, it is one of the buggiest games that people have said they've made yep. on, the, on the sports front. Um, I believe it's in the 60s on Open Critic, if I'm not mistaken. I've been playing it. Um, yeah, and you didn't want to talk about it, so that tells you something no, it, in and of itself. <laughs> it, you know, every year, so, every year Madden comes out the same. That's the joke. It, this is like it's the same, and also it's garbage. Like it's just, it just right. so buggy, so terrible. At a 67 right now on Open Critic, as of as of this recording, Immortals of Avium comes out. That's at a 74, right? Yep. So a lot of people saying it's it's it feels like a cheaply strung together EA game with some nice elements here and there, but kind of bad, right? I wouldn't know. Yeah, well, that's because you're salty about not getting your rental in 13 hours like you wanted it. You wanted it hand delivered by somebody from GameFly. Never mind. Um, and then and then um. 
okay, so then you have those two things, right? And then you have the state of Bioware kind of rounding it all out, right? You have established IP that people hold near and dear to their hearts that you just cannot get off the fucking ground. Dragon Age should have been out by now. I don't care what anybody says. But, of course, it was EA pressuring Bioware into trying to make that into a live service game, which they had to double back on because live service games started getting bad juju, you know. Then, you know, who who the hell knows what they wanted to do with Mass Effect at one point. We, We saw what they did with Anthem, and that panned out great. Amazing. So... You know, I think this is predominantly all EA. Everything they touch kind of turns to shit. Their sports franchises suffer with Madden. The NBA Live series is gone. FIFA isn't even FIFA anymore. You got, you know, games like this, Immortals of Avium, that just come out and be, you know, for all intents and purposes, a mid-wet fart at best. Mm. Um and I don't know why you mmed about that. That's kind of weird. That's that's unless you're sucking farts out of people's butts out here in these streets, man. That's kind of nasty for you to mmm that. Okay. I mean, you know, so if the situation calls for it, I'll suck a fart some of that. That wasn't time that wasn't time for an I mean you know or anything you said after okay. that. That's not that's well, not a good time. Um but listen, the only thing that really sucks is EA right now. Uh and I think that this is predominantly their fault. I, I don't know what the future holds for Bioware. Um I can see this. Man, in five years, I could see Bioware being gone. I can see yeah. Bioware just being liquidated and the talent gets reorganized to other teams and Bioware is just kind of a distant memory and then some other random studios making the next Mass Effect and it's just not the same. Uh, I, I don't know, man, but it doesn't look good right now and I'm you, very worried. Do you have very any faith at all that Mass Effect, not only is it coming out, <clears> but if it does, is it going to be any good? I think it's going to come out. Um, I think they need it to come out at this point. You know, EA is kind of suffering right now, uh, and these new I, this this new IP thing, and it's it's not going well. So they need something to kind of win back fans. It's just it's not going to happen for a long ass time. Yeah. I don't think we're getting Mass Effect. I don't think we're getting next Mass Effect for another four or five years. I, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if it got canceled. Not because they don't need. It's just they they're showing an unwillingness to put money to make money. You know, to mm-hmm. so I don't. I don't know. I I I wouldn't hope anybody to lose their jobs, obviously, but if this means that Bioware goes away and that IP gets sold off, you know, to other studios that would make a good version of those games, I think that would be the most ideal scenario because as long as Bioware is under the thumb of EA, this shit is going to happen. It's always going to happen. EA is always trying to find the best way to make the most money without spending without spending it. So, um Yeah. Unless EA gets sold off entirely, I, I, I think that the the best case scenario here is those IPs get shipped and sold off to, to different companies. But, you know, as it stands. Well, either, either that or EA positions themselves to be acquired. Right. Yeah. yeah as a whole. Exactly. And they want to keep they want to keep these IP as, as, you know, kind of bargaining ships to up the value of, of you know, acquiring them. And I know people are going to jump right to Microsoft. Let's be honest. That's that would be the elephant in the room of, you know, maybe maybe Microsoft should get them. Um, I mean, the first Mass Effect was uh, exclusive to uh, Xbox. It was. But I think I think right now it's the, the waters are too hot right now for Xbox to make another high profile acquisition of that caliber after what they're dealing with now. There's no way. I, I, yeah. EA is also shifting away because they've split their company to the sports and just entertainment. They, they're, they're going a different yeah. way. Uh, and I feel <clears> like even if they were to get uh, acquired, 
Uh, I don't think that their portfolio is enticing to Xbox or Sony. I think that their IP is, and I think you know stuff like Bioware might be, but I don't think EA as a company and the way that they've restructured themselves are something that Xbox because Xbox or Sony or for the sake of argument, Nintendo getting into the EA business is the business of sports, is the business of soccer, is the business of literally uh, sponsoring an entire league in Europe. Like that, that that's yeah. so far from the mark, from the plot that Xbox, Nintendo, or or Sony has going on that I feel like if they were to be sold off, it would be specific to IP or a company like Bioware or a company like Respawn. Yeah. I think it'd be more of an Amazon. Right, yeah. That's yes. that's what I would yes. say. That would make sense because uh, they're already they're already they're already working out football or Apple, you know, with Amazon Prime or Apple. Yeah, maybe even Apple, Apple. has yeah, MLS that's true too. thing on their on their Apple TV. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I see that as being a possibility more than a Microsoft type of pickup. But nevertheless, uh, man, bad news all around for Bioware. Uh, once again, uh, EA is up to their bullshit. Man, they really want to be the worst company between them and Ubisoft. They they really want that number one spot. Yeah. And. Uh, Holy shit, they're 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 earning mm-hmm. it in spades right now. But um, they're not the only company, though, Pablo. That's been kind of on the bullshit, as it were, um, because Konami has confirmed that the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume One is only air quotes targeting 1080p and 60 FPS on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S, while the Nintendo Switch version will air quote target 720p at 30 frames undocked and 1080p at 30 frames docked what does all that mean well it means that no consoles are going to be running this collection at 4k resolution that's right all those old games that could be in 4k will not be at 4k plus reviews also highlighted that performance issues during their time with the collection were prevalent uh, to which konami responded they're still tinkering with the ports uh so how do we feel about this as two metal gear fans pablo and are we still interested in buying this collection uh in the wake of this news i mean i wasn't that interested in the collection to begin with i was vaguely interested uh this just completely pushed me over to the hell now i'm not i don't give a shit i don't want to play these games in 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 while they're targeting 60 frames on on my fucking PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X. That's insane. And this just goes to show that this port that Konami is doing is simply just some kind of emulator or something that they're hastily putting together and really has uh, no business in existing or releasing. And this is Konami trying to get back into games, trying to get back into arguably their biggest franchise and doing it in a way where it's so them not giving a fuck that it this extends to concern over the metal gear solid three delta remake or you know because if they're putting no care into the first thing we're going to see from them from a long time in the universe of metal gear which was easy simple in my opinion obviously we're talking about old consoles that the old games running on the newest consoles the fact that they couldn't figure that out or i should say the fact that they didn't care to is just showing me that Konami is still the same old Konami. They don't really give a fuck about about the consumer or the franchise and the legacy of the franchise. They just know they have something there that people like. Therefore, they're going to make something that they feel they can make them some money. And that sucks. And I 
I guess I'm not surprised, but I kind of hoped that Konami had turned over a new leaf and were at the very least going to put an actual effort into revitalizing the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And that doesn't seem to be what they're doing at all. No, it doesn't. And, um, man, you know, there's, there's no way to spin this into, uh, you know, an understandable thing. I mean, these games are, I think, MGS3 is 19 years old. Metal Gear Solid 2 came out in 2001. That's 22 yeah. years ago. If Jesus. you were to sit me in a room with Konami and they were to ask me, well, what would be a good baseline resolution and frame rates this should run at for games AK. that are roughly 20 years old? <laughs> give me 120 frames per second with 8K. Yeah. I want HDR and all these hoes. Yeah. And, and you're getting, you're getting you're targeting 1080p? In what world? In what foreign yeah. land? Like why? So <laughs> I I don't I don't understand this. You know, um, there is such a thing, and they've used this kind of as an excuse of, oh, we don't want to touch too much of the source material and blah blah blah. You ain't gotta. You don't have to, but you you decided to re-release these games, and if you can't get them to run at fourteen forty p or four k for crying out loud. Then I, I I really struggle to understand what the core objective of this collection is, other than just trying to make a buck off of a dormant franchise that people love and people miss. Right. Um, yep. This also makes me concerned about Volume Two, which is supposed to have MGS Four and other little things. And you know, like if oh, yeah. if we're getting this kind of a problem with PS2 games, then. And if you played MGS4, you know it was notorious for having really bad performance on PS3. If yeah. you're going this low effort now for PS2 games, what are you going to do for MGS4? What are you going to yeah. do for the, the you know the other ports you're going to have in the collection? Like it just sets a precedent that I don't like, and I just think really adds to the stigma that I was hoping Konami would be trying to get away from by now. Of like we just don't really care all the way about anything. Um, it, what I will say is, thankfully, they seem like they're doing much more of a concerted effort with Silent Hill um, in that comeback than they are with Metal Gear. Um, but still, in all, it just it just casts a lot of doubt in my head now about just how intentional they are and how yeah. passionate they are about really putting out great work again. So, but let's be real their their concerted their concerted effort is just them giving it to somebody else to work on it, and that that's all they they did because they're Very they're true. taking they're taking this in house and doing this. So you know, yeah, it's it's disappointing in every way. Yeah, I don't know what Konami's trying to achieve here at this point, but yeah, th this is all very head scratching. And even though I gave them a little bit of bail for Silent Hill, even then you gave Silent Hill Two remake to Bloober Team. <laughs> Why? What for? Well, so, ugh, nasty. Yeah, Just we'll nasty. see. Hopefully, they'll surprise people. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully not in the wrong way though. But we'll see. Um, and that goes, and that also throws a lot of concern until anything that they want to do with Castlevania in the future. So, absolutely, that's yeah, yeah. This this sets, like I said, a very very tricky precedent for them if they don't get at least this right at the bare minimum. I would even delay this if I were them. I would say, okay, we heard you guys, we're listening, January or whatever, however long it takes to get this thing to a better resolution or a more stable frame rate than this. This is not it. For Switch, I get it. I, I don't expect a lot there. But for for the for these consoles we're now we're, we're now playing, especially PC, what the fuck are we doing? The the only way that I would have been not okay with this, but just kind of like not 
in in a way where I was like, okay, I'm not that disappointed. Is that these were like shadow dropped? Like, hey, here, by the way, just take these games. That's a great uh, point. because we have it in our library. You could have them. But the fact that they've made a a, a thing about it, the physical version, they had it in the Sony showcase. Uh, they, they're they're talking it up, and it's this. This is the package you're selling me. Nah, that's no good. What it is is booty juice. Booty juice. <laughs> that's what it is, sir. Um. Some people would argue that this next story is also juicy in that way. Uh, let's, let, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Sony has officially announced the PlayStation Portal, which will launch later this year at $199.99. Formerly known as Project Q, this handheld remote device will stream PS5 games over Wi-Fi at 1080p and 60 frames per second. However, this device will not feature Bluetooth support of any kind, what? which means that you will, yeah, no Bluetooth, sir, which means you'll need to buy new PlayStation Link compatible headsets to be able to use it. Plus, it also won't allow for local play, media playback, or cloud streaming. Worst <laughs> of all, worst of all, Pablo, the portal is targeting the same battery life as the DualSense controller, which is notoriously known for being very short on battery life. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how useful do we think the PlayStation Portable, otherwise known as the PSP? Hey, name's clear. <laughs> the, the bad PSP. Uh, how, how, how useful do you think this device will be for the PlayStation user base? For me, uh, one. Uh, uh, for the user base in general... Maybe a three. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some some people out there with like seven kids and and all hogging the TV. And maybe you want to get some PlayStation in there. But this is just another device in the line of PlayStation Sony that is going to be put out to die. A a a concept that was good in terms of what it could have been. An execution, just a complete, utter failure in every shape or form. The, the, the device does no processing, does nothing at all. It's literally just, like you said, it's a playback from and the and to, not to mention the the Xbox, the PlayStation has to be on in order to 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 get that uh, the Wi-Fi connection going and playing that game. You can take it out of your home, though. PlayStation, the way they're talking about it, they're really talking about it being an in-home thing. You can't take it out of your home, but you have to hope that the PlayStation connects, and you have to hope that you don't lose any kind of power, and then the, the PlayStation goes into turns off completely and is in, in that that um that power down mode, that low power mode. This doesn't make any sense for me. I thought the Project Q would have been, at the very least, a, a thing that you can stream games to. And the fact that you can't even do that is absolutely insane. Uh, I know people are like, well, they wanted to keep cost down. So, so Okay, so $200 for nothing? Like, cost down to what? I mean, this doesn't make any sense. This is ridiculous. This is dumb. I think in, a, in a, you know another long line of, of, of peripherals that PlayStation doesn't give a fuck about, you know? Yeah, like I said earlier at the top of this when we were talking about um, the the Series X and S, this is, um, you know, again, flooding the market, flooding the market with this. And, and they're doing this at a very specific time coming into holidays. They want the holiday sales to to give this thing some life. But really, it's a, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of a dead-end product. It serves a very niche purpose that is not, typically a very common issue in most households. Um, and even if it is an issue, 
usually people have other avenues of gaming to engage in, particularly on their phones and tablets if they want to. You already so, got everything you need to make this in your home. You got an exactly. iPad, you got a PlayStation 5 controller. That's it. That's all you need. Right. So the question is, what is the problem this is trying to solve exactly? And why does it why is it a two hundred dollar solution? I see a lot of people, you know, championing the price. Well, wow, it's a really good price. I thought it was gonna be more expensive. I mean, I kind of think this is too expensive for me. I think if this was like one forty nine ninety nine, I I would feel like okay, at least this feels a little bit more like the price feels more practical based on the limited type of usage you can get from it, based on what it can and can't do. I think this is a ninety nine dollar product. I would, yeah. I mean, I th- honestly, I think that the screen is probably the reason why it can't be that cheap. But but I, no, I I agree that the functionality yeah. is not worth more than a hundred to me. But there's no processing power in that in that screen. There's no, no chipset. No. There's nothing. It's just a screen. There's a screen. And and, and a dual sense split in half, man. Um, yeah. I, look, on a scale of one to ten, for me, I think this is probably a, a maybe a two. I give a three if I'm really reaching, but this this just not. And I'm not even trying to like project myself into this. I just don't think there's this really a lot of necessity for this right now. It is very yeah. much a, a vanity item that I think they're they're putting out there to see what it does. And this is their initiative. Um, you yeah. know. Brief side note, Sony also acquired Audis, which is a headphone company, right? So again, going right in line with my with my initial point about their initiative here is accessories, accessories, accessories. Yeah. That is how they want to get in your pocket. They can't just expect you, like I said at the top of this, Buy a five hundred dollar console, and that's the last money they get from you for a for for a device. They want you to think about the VR too. They want you to think about this PlayStation Portal. They want you to buy the deluxe version of their branded headphone. They they want you to buy all of this because this is how they're going to basically keep a revenue stream coming from yeah. you. Um, and, and to and, top it and, off, it's also proprietary. Like, like it's not something that can be like used. It, it's just. It's, I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's, it, the, the, no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, but that is the point too. It's like you know, and on top of everything else, it these these devices are really all made for the PlayStation only, unless you can kind of jerry rig them to do other things. But otherwise, this is kind of their their move, and I just think it's weird. I just think it's totally weird to to go this route. There's so many other better ways and more convincing ways to make money. Um, and well, PlayStation just seems to be avoiding that. So. Marco, uh, when we talked about EA, I talked about them, their unwillingness to, I guess, spend money to make money. Uh, here it's, is is Sony is spending very little money to, I'm sure, making a lot of money. I'm sure this thing is going to be sold out. Uh, you know, I think a you lot know of people- You know what's funny, though? How many people are going to buy it thinking it's an actual handheld device, though, by accident? I bet you- What casual lot. family, what parent is going to go, ooh, a new PlayStation handheld, $200? And even the, the, the people who play games are not really, like, uh, too attached to, like, the news and stuff like that. They see that and it's like, oh, I remember when I had a PSP or a Vita. This is this this is the next iteration of that at $200. One, yeah. Well, now, there's a, a we have a friend of the show or someone who listens to the show, a fan of the show, a friend of mine- Jan, who travels quite a bit, and he it he is he is thinking about getting this thing, but he's also looking mm. at the backbone things of that sort that would do a lot of the same. And even to a person like him, that this would really work for him, he's not 
completely sold on it. He's still on the fence. He's still, you know, the, the fact that it relies on the Wi-Fi connection, the fact that it relies on the simple fact that your PlayStation 5 has to be on. There's a lot of caveats there that, that make this, even at $200, not seem like the greatest choice to make. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, wouldn't it be more befitting that I, I don't mean Jan, I mean, just in general, wouldn't it be more befitting to just save some extra money and get a steam deck at that point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You sure. know, get, yeah. get one used for all I know, or, you know, whatever, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be very difficult for me to see this being a, a hit beyond the holidays. And, and even then I could see, you know, and I was saying it half jokingly, I can see a lot of people going, Oh, I didn't know I had to have a PlayStation five in order to, to play this thing. My well, son doesn't have one and they return it to Walmart. You another know, and, thing that we didn't even mention that you, you have to have a PlayStation five. Right. So it's just like, what are we doing here? This is just a, a weird, weird stacking of, of it's just device hell at this yeah. point. And I, I, I think it's just too clunky and it's unnecessary. And I don't think they'll be supporting future consoles with a device like this in the future either. I think this is a PS5 thing only, and they won't do stuff like this next time around. I would be shocked. I'd be I shocked. I don't know, man. Because I don't, I don't think it's going to sell well enough for them to justify it. Like I, you know, I, I think as an example that I don't think there, there's no way on earth they, they would sensibly want to do a PSVR 3 after this. I can't say if they do that, that's crazy. They shouldn't have done a PSVR too. And after the failures of Vita and PSP, regardless of what your opinion is about those things, they're they're going back to that well in a much lesser way, but still like they they like to repeat a lot of the a lot of their strategies throughout the years. And unfortunately, people buy it and it works for them. Yeah. Yeah. Some in some cases it's like, yeah, okay, every once in a while you'll release a, a, something that is ahead of its time and so maybe you circle back to it again down the road, but that's not what this is. This is damn near Google like. Yeah. And like let's just create a bunch of crazy ideas and let's hope one of these things stick. And if they don't, then now we have our Sony graveyard, just like Google has theirs. Yeah. And uh yeah, terrible man. Weird, weird, weird times for Team Blue. Um, but let's go ahead and move on, Pablo. Now, before we do that, however, it's time to announce the results from last week's poll of the week, which was, um, which was uh, basically, I f- fucking forgot. Actually, uh, wow, what that's was, great. You, it was, the, it was, uh, it the was the worst fanboys. Oh uh, yeah, the worst fanboys. There you go. Thank you. You remembered something for a change. That's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, which which console fanboys are the worst? Uh, and the choices were, of course, PlayStation fanboys, Xbox fanboys, and Nintendo fanboys. Uh, PlayStation came out on top of 67% of the votes, followed by Xbox at 33%. No votes for Nintendo, uh, which was kind of to be expected. Uh, do you think that the think the voters got this one right, Pablo? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of recency bias because Starfield is coming out now, and a lot of the PlayStation, the 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 crowd of PlayStation fans that attach their entire existence and personality to their consoles, have been out there for sure, and it's been really annoying. So this makes a lot of sense. I, I it'd be interesting to run a poll like this again closer to the uh, Spider-Man Two release to see if that doesn't change up, because <laughs> uh, I've seen some people, some yeah. Xbox fans out there definitely already on their bullshit when it comes to that but yeah i think as of right now i think as a whole i think when you look at the twitters or the x's and all that stuff and you, and you see the comments and and the 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 sony fanboys are out here and they are absolutely obnoxious and unhinged 
in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they got this right too. Um we actually have uh on, on our official website at cooldowntime.com, uh we have a blog that went up um dissecting which console fanboys were the worst. And we also picked PlayStation here as the winner. Um I think you know the the main logic was that even though Xbox fans can be more whiny and delusional and defensive than PlayStation, I think PlayStation fanboys have become so obsessed with Xbox's downfall um, that they're rooting for Xbox to fail. They're rooting for Xbox to go out of business, um, and so they're a little bit more aggressive and hateful in that way. Uh, whereas I think Xbox fanboys are more prone to trying to you know not feel treated like a second class gamer um you know and or not be mocked because of xbox having a rough patch which they unquestionably had so i do agree i think this has been uh, a, a very toxic time in the playstation community but you to your point i'll be interested to see how the roles may or may not reverse when uh spider-man 2 hits speaking and, of uh you know, Jan, he did respond to that poll and said, uh, where the where 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 are the PC fanboy options? Also, fuck PC fanboys. All right. Jan needs to get Jan Jan needs his own damn show. He needs his own show. All right. Tired of talking about it. Shut up. He get canceled like five minutes into the show. All right. Well, let's uh let's actually reveal uh our brand new poll of the week, which is after Starfield, Pablo, which Bethesda sequel do we want the most? And the choices are gonna be the Elder Scrolls 6, Wolfenstein 3, Fallout 5, and Prey 2. There's, so there's one right answer, and if you guys don't get it, I'm coming after you. Elder Scrolls. Uh, so head on over to Fallout Five. Head on, head on over to X. Listen to my voice, not Pablo's. He's doing what he does again. Go to X. Find us at its cooldown time to cast your vote now, and be sure to follow us after you vote so you can check the results at the end of the week with us. In the meantime, let's go ahead and dive right into the main event of the show that we call the Checkpoint Chat. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, homie. Gamescom, that happened. It's uh, been a very interesting couple of days uh, in, in in terms of Gamescom and all the things that we got a chance to check out and hear about at the event uh, from Jeff Keighley's opening night live, uh, including him getting bum rushed on stage again by somebody else, talking about Bill Clinton all the way up through the games that we got a chance to catch up on uh, at the showcase. So, um, we have a quick little roundup here uh, that we're going to go through uh, in talking about some of the highlights of the show, and Pablo's going to run us through those, and we're going to share our thoughts about some of these noteworthy games and tell us what uh, tell you guys rather what we're thinking about them. Uh, so, Pablo, go ahead and uh, take it away and kick us off with uh, some of the games we have on this list. Yeah. So, uh, Alan Wake Two showed out their new trailer and fourteen minute gameplay demonstration. Uh, Marco, what do you think about that? All right, so I've I've always been cool with Alan Wake. I've never been in love with Alan Wake. I've always preferred other Remedy franchises, but I watched the 14-minute gameplay and I was quite stunned. I mean, literally from the the first scene, uh I was kind of blown away by the visuals and yeah. the presentation. Looks gorgeous, looks very atmospheric, looks very unsettling. Um very much on brand with the first game, but definitely an evolution of that by far. Um, and I'm really pleased with how the gameplay looked too. the The shooting looked good. Yep. 
uh, it, it definitely is very much borrowing from a lot of what Resident Evil remakes have kind of done to modernize some of that stuff with the over-the-shoulder view. Um, so I'm I'm actually really hyped about this more now than I was before. I already had it pre-ordered, but now I'm really glad I yeah. did. Um, I got so excited. I, I watched this hour and 20-some-odd minute uh, lore of Alan Wake on YouTube. This one guy did a big blowout for it. Um, basically, as like a here, watch this before you play Alan Wake Two. I didn't realize Alan Wake Two was so steeped in lore yeah, the way that it is. I, I thought, I you know, it was very campy, and I got some of the things they were going for, but I didn't realize how deep it got. So I'm I'm yeah. kind of impressed, like exactly what they're what they're striving for, and the connected with uh, control. with with control. Oh my god, I'm so hyped now, dude. Yeah, yeah. I agree, man. Uh Remedy has done a good job with this. <laughs> There's like you said, so much lore that it's kind of shocking it took so long for Alan Wake 2 to actually come out. But I, I like that they're leading into the horror aspect of it. Uh I like that they show the Alan stuff because I, yeah. I the way they talked about Alan Wake and 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 him specifically and where he was in the game. I was a little concerned in that what does that look like? Uh, is that gonna be interesting or as interesting or as even as beautiful looking as what we saw uh with uh Agent Sage um uh so but, Saga Saga, sorry, Saga, um Saga Johnson. Uh so it, it blew me away. It looked absolutely phenomenal. Like you said, Marco, it is definitely the evolution of gameplay. And I think that uh, Alan Wake 2 is going to surprise a lot of people uh, when this game comes out. Uh, I think it's going to make a run. I don't know if game of the year, but it it's definitely going to be on some people's conversations for that, I believe, in terms of it from everything that I've seen. Yeah. It's been a great year for horror games, particularly with uh, Resident Evil 4 and Dead Space yeah. both coming out and being really good. I think Alan Wake 2, if, if Remedy does what they need to do with this game, it could easily be the best of the three. Yeah. Uh, it, getting past RE4 for me is going to be pretty hard, though. Yeah, it's going to be lie. tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Even for uh, even but, an Alan Wake fan for me to say that if if you were to tell me Alan Wake 2 is better than Resident, yeah, Resident Evil 4 remake at the beginning of this year, I would have laughed that off. Now it feels like it could. it's it's a possibility, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Remedy is on fire, mm-hmm. man. Nice, nice, nice stuff that we're seeing there. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. A couple of weeks ago, we had this game as a game that possibly is MIA. Will it come out? Will it not? And that's Black Myth Wukong showed a new trailer. Marco, what did you think about what they showed? Well, first and foremost, it is officially Black Myth Wukong. Uh, <sighs> don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Um, listen, I. I feel absolutely no different than I did uh, when we talked about it last time. I I don't know, man. Does it look good? Yeah, it looks good. It looks good. Visually, it looks good. The gameplay looks cool, but I don't land anywhere differently in terms of my outlook for the game as I did before. Um, I still think that um, it, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for this game to sell well because I think it's just been kind of that game we've been hearing about for so many years. And, oh, it's that really good-looking game. But I think other games are catching up to it visually and even surpassed it now. So I I just don't think there's a lot of exciting aspects of this game, um, especially at a time where we've seen so many Souls-like games come and go. It, to me, this just doesn't... It looks good, and I, I, I'm willing to bet you're going to buy it. 
Um, but I just don't see it being huh. something that I think I'm going to get. I think when th- this game first got announced, uh, it-, it looked better than anything we've seen before. And I think with time, a lot of things have caught up. Uh, I think that the Souls-like thing was kind of still new because there's a lot of games trying to emulate that. I think a lot of games have at this point uh, achieved parity to a certain extent with with those Souls-like games. And it just feels like another one of those games after Wolong and... Uh, uh, what? What game? Wolong! Wolong! Oh, my God. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> this is... This is- yeah, that's right. It's more of a, like an exasperation. How silly of me. Uh, Sound it but, out. Sound it uh, out. Jeez. And then after like Lords of the Fallen coming out this year, and that game looks absolutely amazing. Uh, these games have really just been pretty common now, commonplace. Um, but yeah, I'm not really excited for this at all. I think it looks awesome, sure, beautiful to look at. Uh, but I mean, I wouldn't be so sure of the game that I would get. I mean, I have still to to play Wolong. Uh, sorry, Wolong. Uh, Fallen uh, Dynasty. Finally, um, I've yet gracious. to play that game, so it's it, it, you know I think I'm at a point now where I'm kind of sick of these games. Uh, Lies of Peace coming out that looks just as good, I think. So uh, it, it kind of misses window, I believe, I, I, in terms of it really coming out and having an impact on the industry. I think that that's pretty much not going to be the case when this game comes out. But it is what it is. Yeah. I agree. Now, possibly one of the craziest, most bonkers uh, trailer that I've seen in a long time. That's uh, Crimson Desert. They showed a whole gameplay trailer. Uh, what did you think about this acid, this complete acid trip of a video game? I think this looked ridiculously stupid. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm you know like I, I get it. It's just that games like this try to be too much, and it just doesn't. It doesn't connect. It just feels like a nothing game that's just like gumbo of all the things. All the things. Um, and I just, it's such a prototypical game for Jeff Keighley to show, you know? Yeah. Like, it just feels like one of those games where it's like, oh, look at this. It's it's a double-A game, but it's doing all these triple-A-like things. Isn't that neat? No, it's not. It's, it, it's probably going to suck at most of them. And I hate right. to be so cynical about it, but it's like, you know, we've seen double A games try to check all the boxes and excel at absolutely no one thing that they do. So, uh, you know, hey, look, I applaud them for the ambition and for the effort of trying to make a game like that. But um, ultimately, I didn't see anything that that actually looked like it'd be enjoyable right. to play. And that's kind of where I get stuck. On. I think if the game comes out and it does a lot of those things really good, really well, I think that this game could be interesting. But I agree with you. I think this looked really silly. It looked like the game that a, a, a person who doesn't really play games, like a dad, would see this and be like, oh, man, games are cool without understanding the nuance of what a triple A or a double A <laughs> studio means. And, and I think that's exactly what this is. I, I think. If I had to put money on it, I think this is going to be a game that comes out to the sixes and and a lot and, and some sevens and just uh, with the tagline of uh, you know jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. And I think that this game um, it does what it is. And I think that they the trailer the way that they framed it, the way they showed it, I think did a lot of cool stuff. You know, showed a lot of interesting things like flying and, and <laughs> literally just throwing your horse off a cliff to like take flight and and, and silly shit like that. I think that it showed well, uh, but if you if you're a fan of, of, of video games and understand what 
a double A game meaning single A, triple A game. Uh, you've seen this before. You've seen this kind of chaotic trailer showing off all these cool things, and ultimately the game comes out and it controls like ass. It, it it doesn't really do much of the things um, well. And so I feel like this is probably what's going to happen with this. But there's always a slight chance that Crimson Desert comes out and it's actually like a phenomenal game, sure. But uh, I, I bet you to hear because of how bonkers it looks. It's just an absolute a trailer that showed absolutely everything that you can imagine that you've seen that in the something. video game in the last couple of years, including uh, Islands in the Sky, like a, like a Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> thing. Um, mm-hmm. Well, uh, Xbox came out swinging here uh, with Ages, uh, Age of Empires 4 Anniversary Edition shadow dropping on Xbox Game Pass. That was a really cool moment. A lot of people were talking about this game having to come out this year. People predicting that it was going to be in the, the Naughty 3 showcase. And here it is in Gamescom shadow dropping that's the way you should have done it um you know it's definitely a niche game but it's cool that it's it's available and they've done they've done a lot with with uh controlling with the with with an actual controller uh so you can see why they spent so a little time almost a year and releasing this uh to consoles because it is in fact uh been remapped and redone for consoles so that's a pretty dope thing that they did there uh yeah yeah and i think um you know i don't have much firsthand experience with age of empires because uh, it's just not my kind of game uh, not my kind of genre but um there's no doubt that age of empires is a pretty noteworthy franchise in that genre it's just for me this yeah it's but- it's a game that kind of it's a age of ages of empire age of empires 2 is a defining game for me because for those of you know the story me and marco lived next to each other for a really long time and we played games together and then i moved away and i had nobody and i had got a pc and this is literally the first game i played and it was i just was i was inside for a lot of a lot of those years just playing literally playing madden 99 and ages of empire 2 is all i played so it's cool that this exists but it's definitely not a game for me yeah, um, as far as how it shadow dropped on Game Pass, though, um, I think I texted you uh, something about Phil Spencer's Out for mm-hmm. Blood, uh, and I just I, I love these types of things. And I now I think it's important to not get spoiled on shadow drops if you're an Xbox fan because it's not going to be par for the course. It's going to be very situational. But I love the fact that they served this up as a nice little surprise and a nice little appetizer before uh, Starfield comes yeah. out, which will obviously overshadow everything but it's a great move um you know even if this isn't a popular genre per se i think it's really good to see that xbox is being active uh out here with the first party releases uh this year uh to varying degrees of success obviously for every hi-fi rush there's a minecraft legends right but i think seeing stuff like this though um is is really really exciting because um i think you know it it sort of proves that their pipeline is starting to get where it needs to be and you almost have to shadow drop stuff like this out of necessity after a while because otherwise you're just gonna it's gonna get lost or cannibalized by your own your own content so i think it's good that they're doing things and and if you're gonna drop a game Um, weeks before your biggest first party game in probably ever i think ages of empire is niche enough to where there might not or Age of I'm Empires. Sorry, what, what did you say? Ages of Empires. Age of Empires. <laughs> you go uh, ahead. Hey, you do. You're doing what I did with split screen earlier, man. It's like, we can't. There's speech. not a lot of crossover between those uh, those two games in in terms of people that I know that play these kinds of games. So that's it's it's pretty dope that they did this. 
Yeah. So, uh, all right. What else? Yeah, we got Assassin's Creed Mirage new trailer and a very cool reveal of uh, Arabic voice uh, acting. So, what did you think about this? (laughs) Okay, so I thought this was corny. Really? If I'm being honest, I thought it was corny because here's the thing. Uh, Listen, obviously, for immersion's sake. Uh, it's interesting because of where it takes place, right? So it, it feels like it's a nice option for the sake of accuracy. I guess to me, this is how my mind broke it down. A lot of games that come out, especially big AAA ones, come out with voice acting in all different languages. So it felt like all they did was they just kind of marketed this a little bit more because, oh, look, we have the same language that this game is taking place in. Um I think the only difference is that they use some of the same voice actors uh, that are of that descent that, you know, that, that can speak it, uh, which I, I think makes it a little bit more interesting. But to me, it just feels like a bit of a fluffy thing to call out um, that didn't really move the needle for me. Personally. Yeah, well, I don't know, because I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I don't know. There's a lot of games that have uh, that dialect uh, throughout. I know there's, a, you know, the, the, the language is like, Spanish and, and French and things like that. So, I mean, I thought it was a cool little thing. I mean, if you're going to show it at Gamescom, uh, highlight one of the things. Uh, I I, th- I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was corny or anything. I thought it was cool. But I get I get what you're saying for sure. But how about the trailer itself? Did anything about uh, change your mind or or, or kind of lean you one way or the other with Mirage? Um, it, I'm I'm getting a little concerned with Mirage because. I haven't seen, I have to be honest, even though I'm glad that, you know, they're going back to their roots. I feel like I still haven't seen anything interesting in any of the trailers so far either. Um, And that's kind of starting to bother me a little bit. Um, The story from what I'm kind of piecing together doesn't really seem terribly interesting. A lot of the gameplay they've showed off in splices and kind of sizzle reel type of style isn't doing a lot for me. So uh, to be honest with you, my stock in this game is going a little bit mm-hmm. down right now um, just because I, I, I find a lot of this to be very, I don't know, mediocre and kind of boilerplate. Like nothing has really leapt off the screen for me, I, I guess I would say, as like, oh, wow, not only is it going back to its roots, but this looks really good, too. And that new thing looks good. And, you know, like I think the environment looks a little bit bland to me. It's it's that typical it's Assassin's Creed Origins all over again style, um, which doesn't excite me very much. And um, the gameplay, I think, from what, what we have seen, just doesn't look super compelling at the moment. So I'm, I'm kind of losing a little bit of faith in this one, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm about the same place where I've been since it was announced. I'm glad that this exists. I'm going to play it. Uh, will I enjoy it? I don't know. I haven't enjoyed Assassin's Creed game in a quite some time. Even though this is going back to its roots, I'm not even sure that's something that I would want. I mean, I don't know if it would feel old or whatever the case is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's I'm, again – like I said, I'm glad it exists. I just wonder if it's going to be any good. I, I, you know, I know Syndicate was good, uh, but I didn't really like Rogue or uh, what's the one that came out on um, Xbox One. Oh boy, uh, Unity. There's a Unity. lot of them. Black Unity. Flag, Unity. Unity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, I didn't really particularly enjoy those stories to begin with. Uh, haven't enjoyed a Assassin's Creed story since the Ezio trilogy. So uh, we'll see where this lands. I always have this in the back of my of my mind that this was supposed to be DLC. So, but at the same, but the other side of that coin is the fact that Ubisoft, I don't think they have much coming out uh, this year. So this needs to kind of hit for them as well. So uh, 
I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt slightly in that this is going to be decent. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, but I, I don't think the trailers have swayed me one way or the other since it was announced specifically as to what it is. Uh, then they sh- uh, we, we saw Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 campaign trailer. A lot of uh, conversations been had right before the show about the, the campaign structure, which is something they decided uh, not to show off. Marco, what do you think? Yeah, the whole open combat zone thing that they were talking mm-hmm. about where basically all the missions are, are in a larger sandbox-like space where there's multiple approaches to complete missions and stuff. So they, they talk that up. And then they show this this gameplay footage, which is the most linear, typical Call of Duty yeah. mission I think I've ever seen. You know, it's like a squad of three or four soldiers creeping along, you know, mumbling very low to each other. Move yeah. right, Oscar Mike. Yeah, affirmative. Uh, br- breaching. You know, it's 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 it was the same thing they always do, and so um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, it just it just felt like a lot of lip it had service. Night to vision, me. but it was huge and blue. Uh, like woo, yeah, different. It was blue and th- yeah, blue instead of green. Woo-hoo. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, look. Um, I actually thought Modern Warfare Two was pretty yep. cool. So I'm, even though I'm kind of trolling it a little bit, I'm still interested to play at least the campaign. Yeah. But I don't think the multiplayer is going to do a lot for me. Although it is cool that they're bringing back a lot yeah. of the maps from the original Modern Warfare Two. Um, I, I I think overall though, this is your standard. Call of Duty, take it or leave it. Um, and to me, this is a uh, rent it for me. Yeah, so. yeah, I, 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 exactly. I agree with everything you said. I do. I, I think that a lot of those dark missions with the night visions are really cool when you play them. Uh, but it's just so weird that they decided to show that off again uh, in a way where it's like it was supposed to impress you. It's kind of like last year with Modern Warfare Two, where they showed off the your the mission when you got into that in the big ass boat uh ship you know oh, uh, where they yeah. showed that off and that was like the least interesting mission in the entire game so it's it, yeah I, I i have confidence that uh in that modern warfare 3 will deliver on the promise of its open structure and i think it'll be a cool experience just like modern warfare 2 is uh but it was just kind of like a head-scratching reveal to me yeah uh, it's a weird marketing rollout for for call of duty this year uh overall um it just feels like it's late. It feels like it's kind of backwards. But, you know, what do they care? It's going you know I mean? like to sell out yeah. the ass. You know, they've got all these like collaborations with hip hop artists now for the multiplayer skins. And, it, you know, it, I think that's kind of the more polarizing thing for me nowadays is like the, the, the duality of Call of Duty. They try to be this, you know, very military-esque, you know, with the, the Oscar mics and all the terminologies one minute and then... Here's the Nicki Minaj skin. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> it's just that's that's the weirdest thing, and, I, and whatever. At this point, I'm used to it. I don't I don't have a hateful bone in my body towards Call of Duty. Go go yeah, do your thing. Yeah. Go have fun. It, Don't it, be weird. But it's weird though. It is. Yeah, it's so, so obvious that Mo- that Warzone is the thing that makes them the money to the point where they don't seem to be putting any kind of real money into marketing the game itself before. These games were yeah. everywhere. Uh, now it's like, oh yeah, a couple of couple of months before it comes out, here's Modern Warfare three, um, and here's a another trailer that looks exactly like all the other trailers that we've shown for the past ten fucking years, uh, and it'll <laughs> sell a lot. But they don't. It it almost feels like whatever this game sells is 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 a 
a bonus for them because Warzone is going to be the thing that keeps carrying them uh, throughout. That's like true. Thirty yeah. billion dollars or something like that. Like, get the f- that's insane. Yeah, crazy. And then I think for, I I would say the most interesting thing that they showed was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Phantom Liberty, an overview trailer of gameplay and how that's changed and and what Phantom Liberty is going to be. I, I thought that this was amazing. I think it. It really does a lot for cyberpunk in terms of like where it is, where it is now and where it's, where it came from. And they just didn't rest on their laurels and making the game run better, but also really changed the way you could play this game with Phantom Liberty. And I think that's really fucking dope. Marco, what do you think? Put some respect back on CD Projekt Red's name, yeah. y'all. It's time. Like the, you had your time to to take a dump all over them for what happened at the launch of cyberpunk. But those days are long gone, and I think Cyberpunk 2077, as a total package between the base game, what they're doing to refine a lot of systems and mechanics, and what they're doing with Phantom Liberty content, I, I don't know if there's too many games that I find as interesting as this, Yep. Uh, which is why Cyberpunk 2077 is is already in my top 20 all time, and, and if this... If this content does what it's supposed to do, Pablo, it's going to go higher oh, absolutely. than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, it, at this point, I think that um, they've 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 learned from their mistakes. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully another nightmare scenario doesn't happen and we're back to square one again. That'd be out of this world crazy. And and look, we'll take them attacks absolutely, accordingly absolutely. on the show. We, we won't we won't pull punches. But I mean, uh, for all intents and purposes, they have they have seen the light. They have understood that. You, if you want this franchise to to thrive, you gotta you gotta make you gotta make it right, and they've done that through a lot of updates and everything we've seen and heard about this DLC looks really really promising. And so, um, all this did was make me get another character created. I'm gonna play all the way from the beginning. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna be that guy. I don't care. I'm starting over because uh, I I, I want to experience the new ability tree. Um, you know, in, in its full capacity um and i just want to relive a lot of the you know the better moments of, the, of that game um you know with uh our boy johnny silverhand and all that and Arisaka. <laughs> um <laughs> so i'm hyped man i think this is um man i, I it's so exciting i wish it was almost a full-blown sequel yeah, yeah, yeah. so that we can count it you know in, in game of the year stuff but man it's it's, yeah, looking it's good. cd uh, project red and so like blood and wine and and, and they have a pedigree It'll be big enough yeah. to be a sequel almost, but yeah. I just wish officially. Yeah, they have the for the DLC and 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 their ability to to re to basically like revamp and and make what was already good even better. They have a talent of doing that. And so this like all the other yeah. stuff that we talked about today about how EA and, and Ubisoft and, and all these companies have made me worried about the future of their IP. Uh, CD Project Red has done the opposite, where it's made me not worry about the Witcher remake and Witcher Four and, and Cyberpunk sequel. I don't think, and again, maybe I'm falling into the trap again, but I don't think that CDPR is ever going to have a shit show of a release like they did with Cyberpunk. They just they're they they've taken so long to rebuild that reputation, and I think one more massive hit like this it would be to the point where i don't think that they come back from that again and i think that um 
I'm excited for the future of, of what CD Projekt Red has down the pike. I can't wait for more Witcher. I can't wait for more Cyberpunk. It's exciting times for fans of those series for sure. So what would you say would be between, let's say between Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty and Alan Wake 2? I know weird matchup, but what would be your more anticipated game, game for you? Because you're you're a huge fan I mean, of both. It's a little unfair in that. I know it's unfair, the, uh, but but if you had to just play along, yeah, I would probably along. say Cyber uh, F- Phantom Liberty uh, for me, uh, okay. just because okay. I think you know I, I love Alan Wake, uh, but uh, Alan the first Alan Wake doesn't sniff my top twenty. Uh, so like to. to mm. Where's it sniffing? Is it sniffing? Where's Alan it at? Wake? I, I think it's probably in my top yeah. fifty. I have to uh, take a uh, look at it. Uh, but I, the fact that I can't even okay. tell you uh, doesn't bode well for it in that way. But uh, it would be Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, twenty seventy seven, Phantom Liberty uh, for sure. Uh, if I could only play one, it would be that one. Got you. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our Gamescom roundup this week. And, of course, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, As we said at the top of the show, please, please remember to tune in next week as we do our deep dive, our in-depth analysis of all things Starfield when we get our grubby-ass hands on that game and no life it as we should. Um, So, until next time, don't forget to subscribe to us, like we said, and also follow us on IG, X, and what's left of threads at it's cool down time uh, to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Peace out. Mama. Oh, why stop shouting out your Make me feel